We greet everybody and welcome you to our midweek service. I'm excited about tonight. We're kicking off a brand new series entitled The Following, The Following. So it'll be a lot of fun. But before we get started, let's do what we always do. If you're in the building, pull out your smart device. If you're watching online, go ahead and hit that share button right there on the bottom of your screen. Tag a friend in the comments and let's be social media missionaries and spread the gospel all over our timelines. And if you're in the building, once again, just go to Facebook and share our feed. While you're doing that, uh, I'll share a few things uh, with you. Don't miss this weekend. You do not want to miss this weekend. A lot of great things happening at Quest, and I'll share all the announcements with you um, at the end of service. But this one I want to share with you right now. Don't miss next or this weekend. Saturday is man church for all the men. You don't want to miss that. It kicks off at 10 a.m., and we have a special guest, Jamie's brother, Jamie, our praise and worship leader, her brother Marty will be leading us in worship. And listen to this, Pastor Dustin Hawkins will be preaching to all the men Saturday morning. And then he's staying over Sunday to deliver the word on Sunday, so it's going to be a cool weekend. You don't want to miss it. Come to church and enjoy it. How about these young people leading worship tonight? Jacob is awesome. He always is. And I want to thank Talitha for last week. She led worship for us last week. For those of you who don't know, um, Jamie is at home. She's about to have the baby. And we are just praying for her and counting down the days. It's going to be great. Amen? And so these young people filling in. You know Kaylee who sang that last song? You know she's only 14 years old? That girl straight up sang tonight. She led us in worship. It was awesome. Listen, if you're in the room, Go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, we're going to read verse 34. We'll have one verse of Scripture as our text. I want to thank Pastor Rick. I love him so much. It's an honor to serve under Pastor Rick. You know, I've been serving him going on 24 years. I've been with him since I was a kid for 30 years. Um, but going on 24 years of full-time ministry under his cover. And I say that for a reason, because... Um, this series, I don't want it to get, let me say it like this. You're going to receive a lot of great information over the next three weeks. You're going to receive a lot of good nuggets to study scriptures on scriptures, to take home and, and read in your devotions. But more than information over the next three weeks, I want there to be an impartation that happens among our Quest family. I think, I feel, and I, I know that everybody listening can bear witness that God is doing something really, really special at Quest right now. You can feel it in every service. This past Sunday was such a powerful, powerful move of God. And every Sunday has been building. And I believe something's about to break out, big revival about to break out in this house. But it's essential that we're all on the same page and going in a certain direction, right? And so I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, I'm prayer, I'm, I've been in prayer concerning this series over the next few weeks that more than just information, that there would be an impartation that happens concerning following. Amen? So the next three weeks, we're going to focus on three words. Um, I had three messages or three uh, scriptures in mind concerning uh, this series. And Pastor Rick texted me on Monday morning. And he just texted me three words. He said, following, learning, leaning, and longing. Learning, leaning, and longing. And wouldn't you know, all three of those hit each scripture that I had already heard from the Lord about concerning this series. So tonight, we're going to focus on that learning point. Amen? Amen? 
So let's dive right in. Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples. That's important. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I'm going to read that again. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Tonight we'll talk on the following part one. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this evening. We give you glory and honor and praise. We set you first right now. God, I'm asking you that you help me to deliver this word the way you were giving it to me, the way you downloaded it into my spirit. God, I pray that you anoint me to say things that I didn't prepare to say. I pray that you anoint every hearer in this room and online to hear things that I don't say, that you say to them. God, I just pray that you anoint every moment. Let the seed go forth, be planted in the hearts of your people, and bear fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. Devil, we rebuke you right now in Jesus' name. We speak against you. We speak against every generational spirit or curse that might be trying to mess with God's people. We rebuke you now by the blood of Jesus. We ask you to be present tonight, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The following, the following. Go ahead and put that in your comments right now. Just put the words, the following, the following. Years ago, Pastor Rick was preaching a message series called The Spirit of Cooperation. And in this series, he made this statement, and he made it off the cuff in the moment. He said, we can go to our bookstores and find hundreds and hundreds of books on leadership, but we're not going to find one on the art of following. We're not going to find one book concerning how to follow how to follow one thing I've learned especially over the course of the pandemic is that good followers are good learners Amen. good followers are good learners good learners become good leaders Amen. good learners become good leaders and good leaders continue hear me now to be good followers Amen. good leaders continue to be good followers follow first Say that if you're in the room. Follow first. Follow first. Follow first. It's, e it's the essential training that you need to be an effective leader later. Amen. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> it's the essential uh, ingredients, the essential training that you need to be an effective leader is to be a good follower. The word follow literally means that which comes next. That which comes next or to come after in a sequence so if I follow you know two follows one three follows two so on to follow that which moves behind something in the same direction that's which moves behind something in the same direction now the word following is a little different the word following means a body 
of followers. Title of our series is the following. A body of followers who watch are either attendants or admirers. Attendants or admirers. So as a follower, stay with me, you are classified as an attendant or a follower. Let me say that again. As an attendant or an admirer. An attendant or an admirer. A learner or a looker. A learner or a looker. Back in the day, we defined a leader as somebody who had good character. A leader was somebody who had integrity. A leader was somebody that was going in the direction that we wanted to go. Maybe they had already blazed the trail for where we wanted to go, and we knew they were an effective leader, so we identified them as that because they had good character, they had good integrity, and they were going in the direction that we wanted to go. Today, that's a little different. Today, leaders or influencers are marked by how many followers they have, right? Leaders or influencers are marked by how many followers they have. John Maxwell identified leadership as influence. Leadership is simply influence. Well, in, social me- in the social media world, and this is kind of how it is all happened culturally and generationally, this is kind of how the whole thing flows. If you have a certain number of followers, you're considered an influencer. So if you reach a status in how many people follow you, you reach influencer status. If you reach influencer status, it brings value to your life. So you have people like Jake Paul, Beyonce, Kim Kardashian. These are all people, LeBron James. These are all people who are considered influencers. Why? Because they have a certain number of followers. They have millions and millions of followers. And because of it, it brings them popularity. It gives them a voice where they would have no voice. It brings them money for sure. And watch this. They're able to shape culture because of the influence they have. These are social media influencers. Why am I talking about that? Because I want to establish something right early. In this generation and in this culture, we don't have a problem with following. We don't have a problem with following at all. As a matter of fact, we never really have because following is a natural course of events. You're going to follow somebody. You're going to be influenced by somebody. Our issue is not following. Our issue is who we're following and how we're following. The issue we have right now is who we're following and how we're following. Jesus built his whole ministry or started. He began his whole ministry on two words. Follow me. He knew right away, right at the beginning of this whole deal, I need to make sure I have an established following before I get this thing started. I need the right followers behind me in order to be effective in what I'm doing. So his first step is to say, follow me. Watch this. In the Greek, it literally means this, follow. To follow as an attendant. Remember what I said. 
A following is a group of followers that are either attendants or admirers. So when he says, follow me, he's saying, I need you to follow me as an attendant. I need you to, here's the next definition. I need you to follow me as a disciple. So if I ask you this question, this is not a trick question. Who were Jesus' followers? What would be the answer to that? Not a trick question. His disciples. His followers would be his disciples. So watch this. Verse 34, our text, Mark 8. And Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And then Jesus says to the crowd and to his disciples, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple. Whoever wants to be my disciple. So not only does Jesus make the distinction here between the crowd and the, and the disciple, but the writer, Mark, needs to make that distinction too because he wants you to know that when Jesus turned and looked at them, he looked at the crowd and the disciples and called them all to him and told all of them, if you want to be my disciple, because there's a distinction between the two. There's a distinction between the two. What is it? The word crowd here in the Greek literally means a casual collection of people in a certain place a casual collection of people in a certain place or a multitude it means people flocked together listen to that vocabulary this is the actual definition of this word in the Greek people flocked together in one place crowd it denotes people gathered together without order or without any leader they were following him, but they were the crowd. And amongst the crowd were some disciples. Now, here's this definition, and you've heard Pastor Rick share this a lot over the course of this year. A disciple is a learner or a student. If you really dig deep into this Greek word, you're going to find the root of disciple, which means one who increases in knowledge. One who learns by use. This is important. Use learns by use or by practice one who hears one who hears revelation tells us constantly as jesus is giving the revelation here to john he who has an ear let him hear we know romans tells us that faith comes by hearing there's a difference between listening and hearing the difference is this you can be casually collected and gathered into one place called the church and just be listening. That just makes you part of the crowd. That's not what being a follower is all about. See, that's the problem we have. We have a lot of people claiming uh, Christianity. We have a lot of people claiming they are followers of Christ, which is what being a Christian is. But really, they're just a casual collection of people up in one place. They're not doing nothing. They just feel like you can come into the building, sit in a chair, hear preaching, maybe even cry some tears, go to the altar, lift your hands and leave, and that makes you a follower of Christ. No, that makes you an admirer of Christ. 
that makes you an admirer of Christ. That's why it's so comfortable to stay at home and watch online. Because you don't have to engage anything. Is there anything wrong with watching online? No, there's not. As a matter of fact, I love the tool of online church because we can reach so many more people. However, there are many people that are using it as an excuse not to engage their spirit man and their purpose. And church is just another thing to them. Christianity is just another thing to them. Jesus is just another part of their week. There's a difference. So the, the two questions that we have to ask ourselves is, who am I following and how am I following? Who am I following and how am I following? See, the multitude witnessed Jesus. The multitude witnessed Jesus and they received from him because there were people that got healed. There were people that got delivered. There were people that got set free. That's the multitude. They benefited from being in his proximity. That's the multitude. There's a lot of people benefiting from being in the proximity of Jesus. But the difference is the disciples facilitated the ministry of Jesus. They were his followers. They were his students. They were his learners. But they were also his hands and feet for the miracles that came to pass. They were his hands and feet for his ministry and his movement. There's a difference between being part of the crowd and being a disciple. Are you an attendant of purpose? Or are you an admirer of a person? Are you an attendant of purpose or are you an admirer of a person? Mark 8, 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Who's that? Jesus. Follow me. There's a security in knowing you follow Jesus. There's a security in that. I'm just going to rehearse this to, I know everybody that's watching and everybody in this room knows this, but I'm going to rehearse this to you. There's a security in following the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. The secure, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. There's a security in following Jesus because we may not know where we're going, but we know who's going with us or who's taking us. There's a security in knowing who you're following. Jesus was interesting with his disciples because he got his disciples in all kind of mess. He sent them out in a storm. He took them to a graveyard. He took them in the midst of people that wanted to kill him. He took them up to weird people, people possessed by devils. One person not possessed by one devil. I don't know if you've ever been in the, the, the proximity, in the presence of somebody that's been possessed by a demon. You, you might have the blood of Jesus on you. You might be confident in who you are and have authority and ain't scared of it. But it's certainly weird. It's a strange environment. This man, he took them in front of him, had legions of demons in him. Can you imagine how crazy that was in a graveyard? Jesus went to a graveyard with a, de a demon-possessed man that was possessed by demons. Not one, a legion. Not five, a legion of demons. How interesting is that? 
Jesus has a way of taking us into precarious situations. The key is understanding that he's with you. The key is understanding that he's with you. A lot of times we complain about where we're at, what we're going through, what we're facing, who we're facing, the trials we're at. And we forget the simple fact that Jesus is right here with us. And if you are truly a follower of Jesus, he probably took you right into that mess. When I look back over my life, the sum of my life, the sum of who I am as a result of everything that added up behind me, every good, every bad, every powerful, every hurtful, every destructive experience that I've had in my life makes me who I am today. And the reality of that is this, Jesus meant it for my good. And I can't take one of those pages out. Why? Because I'm following him. If I take any of those pages out of the story, I don't equal who I am today. So the confidence is knowing not just that I'm following him, but wherever I go, he's right there with me. All right, that's elementary. But I want you to ask yourself this. Who am I following and what am I following? Who am I following and what am I following? Following isn't a bad word. Follower isn't a bad word. Follower, when somebody calls you a follower, it has this connotation that, or implication that you are weak or less than or not important. You're a follower. That, that really happened as a result of us being young and following the influences of our friends at school or whatever and us making bad decisions. And so we'd be told, don't be a follower. Be a, be a leader. But when we did follow the right things and we did make good decisions and had good actions as a result of being a good follower, we weren't told, hey, good job following. So follower was kept, kept or held on to this negative tone. And so when I say you're a follower, that's not a bad word. That's a good word. Being a follower doesn't diminish who you are. Being a follower doesn't make you less than. See, this generation wants to tell you different. This generation wants to tell you you don't need a leader. This generation wants to tell you you don't need an authority in your life. As a matter of fact, this generation wants to tell you go ahead and question authority. Every opportunity you get, go ahead and question authority. I remember the first time authority got questioned. It was in Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say... So here's what the enemy did to her, to Eve, in Genesis chapter 3. First, he made her question her husband. Were you able to translate what God gave you the right way? Or was there some hidden motive behind that to manipulate me into submitting to you? Because you're my leader and authority. Everybody's going to get quiet and hate this point. So, the, did God really say? He's, he's trying to inject this seed into her mind to cause her to question her authority. Going to speculate all kinds of things. Not only her husband, but now God. Did God really say this? Did God really say that? Whenever authority is questioned, it puts everything in jeopardy. It's okay to question, but in this type of context, questioning authority is scary. And nowadays, we're questioning all authority. So, and I, and I, I'll be careful not to bring up too much, but whatever. So, he ain't my president, and he ain't my president. 
They're wearing uniform. I can question why they did this. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, bad things happen, but the reality is we're, we're raising a generation that is questioning authority at every turn. Here's why. The, if it don't go their way, this way or that way, whatever your way is, if it don't go your way, you're questioning authority. We don't have a problem following. We have a problem with who we're following. And we have a generation of people that are not submitted to nothing. Kids that are not even submitted to parents. I'm not going to speak about the White House, the church, uh, uh, the schoolhouse, the courthouse, your job. I'm not going to speak about anything like that. But I am going to speak about the church. We have church people ain't willing to submit to no pastor. No authority in the church. As a matter of fact, if the authority in the church says something contrary to what you feel, you leave, go find another one. You're just a casual collection of people in one place. No following. That's a lie. You need a leader. Say it. I need a leader. I need a leader. Put that in your comments. I need a leader. I need a leader in my life. There's security in having a pastor. Watch Paul's confidence. The Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, watch, his, watch his confidence. Follow me as I follow Christ. And here's the thing. Everybody wants to be Paul and say, follow me as I follow Christ. But they neglect to look at everything Paul went through to become who Paul is. He had to go through a lifestyle of murder and religion and, and condescension and religiosity. He's murdering Christians. Then he has this outrageous experience with Jesus on the road, right? And then when that happens, he doesn't become the apostle Paul and write two-thirds of the New Testament. That's not how that worked. He was 18 years being discipled by somebody else. Before we ever even heard from Paul. And it's the same way now. People are looking for their platform. And they ain't never followed nothing. Good learners are good leaders. But good leaders remain good followers. Good leaders remain good followers. There's always a man or woman that God used... To, do, to accomplish his purpose. Go through the Bible. He always uses a person to do it. A person to lead. Moses, Joshua, Jesus, Peter, Paul. He always uses a person. Esther, Ruth. He always uses somebody to get the job done. Don't be so arrogant to believe you don't need a leader. Don't be so arrogant to believe that. We want to say, I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I don't need nobody in my life. I can make these decisions on my own. You know what the reality is? No, that's not true. I don't care how long I'm living. I promise you one thing. I will always have a leader in my life. I will always have a pastor in my life. I'm proud, 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 proud. This is not an arrogant statement, but I am proud to say this. I've had the same pastor for 30 years. I haven't switched churches. I haven't switched allegiance. He's been my same pastor for 30 years. And I'm believing he will be for the next 30 in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you hear from God for yourself, then trust him. If you hear from God for yourself, then trust him. When he says that's your man of God, then when your man of God says something that steps on your toes, trust him that that's your man of God or woman of God. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 4 and verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. What your pastor has to say is more important than what any other preacher has to say. What your pastor has to say is more important than what any preacher has. God placed him in your life to cover you and your family. God placed him in your life to hear from God for you and your family. So no matter how good the message is from somebody else, it may not be for you. This is hard word in this generation because we want to feel like we can go to every church that's online. It's okay to do that. They're given to us for the edifying of the body. But God gave you one pastor. Amen. I'm going to move on because I feel like everybody's a little uncomfortable. (laughs) Let me say it like this. Deception isn't always a lie. Deception isn't always a lie. Follow me is what Jesus said. There's a singular person to follow. Follow me. Deception is not always a lie. Sometimes it's believing something that is true, but it wasn't for you. Sometimes it's believing something that's true, but it wasn't for you. Be careful with who you're following. Who am I following and how am I following? Mark 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny themselves. Ego is the enemy of progress and success. Ego is the enemy of progress and success. I'm going to read this. Uh, Wayne Dyer wrote this in one of his books, and I really like this. I'm just going to read this to you. Ego consciousness prods you to compete, compare, and conclude that you are the best. So you concentrate on running faster and looking better than others. It's at this level of consciousness that problems exist. This is where inner peace is virtually impossible and success eludes you because you must always be striving to be somewhere else. What that simply said is, When we walk in the ego consciousness, no matter what we attain or what we accumulate or how, where we get, we're never, ever really happy because we feel like we need to beat somebody else or get better than that. Ego is the I, the I or the self of any person. Listen to this. It's the false idea that you are what you have or what you do. It's the ego is the false idea that you are what you have or what you do. Ego is always in competition with others. And this is, this is such a backwards assessment of life. This is a backwards assessment of your walk with the Lord. Jesus says here, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Nowadays, it's all about self. It's all about what we can accumulate, what we can acquire, the status we can get, the popularity. Where am I going? The only person you should be in competition with is yourself. That's the only person you should be in competition with. Yourself, being better than the, one you, the person you were yesterday. That's the competition you should have. Watch what Paul admonishes us to do in 1 Corinthians 9. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be 
disqualified. Ego equals flesh. Spirit equals true self. Ego equals flesh. Spirit equals true self. Here's what ego is. It's looking in a mirror. When you look in a mirror, you're looking at yourself how you presently are. In that moment, in that time, in that space, you're looking in the mirror and that's exactly who you are. The only difference is it's backwards. So your right is on the left and your left is on the right. It's backwards. But when we're looking in a mirror and whether we're combing my hair, our hair like I do every morning or, or whatever we're doing in the, in the mirror, we make the adjustments necessary because we know that what we're looking at is backwards, right? Ego is like a mirror but with no adjustments. Ego is like a mirror but with no adjustments. The ego wants you to look for the inside wants you to look for the inside on the outside. It wants you to look for what matters where it doesn't matter at all. And it places this urgency on us. It's like this urgent compulsion for it. That is like, I, I used to really be this way about stuff. I'd be so compelled to get it. And I'd get myself in debt and be in a bind for seven years. That's ego. That's a trite example, but that's what ego does. E- Listen to this. Ego will always lead you to, a f- to false assumptions about what will make you happy or fulfilled. It'll always lead you to false assumptions that, that make you happy or fulfilled. And what this does is put you in a state of constant and consistent frustration. You're going to be constantly and consistently frustrated because you think this is going to make you happy. If I get this house, if I get this job, if I get this car, man, I'll finally be happy. And so you get the house and you get the car and you get the job and you're not even close to happy because you look at Joe Blow down the street and he has a nicer car and a bigger house and a better job. So now you got to work for that because you're in some kind of comparison competition with this guy and you're unhappy and frustrated now when the reality is that's all ego talking. Ego will constantly leave you in a state of frustration. And this is how the enemy did it even in Genesis 3. He appealed to her ego and got her to do it. If you eat this fruit, you will be like God. So the first step was get her to question authority. And the second step is appeal to her ego. And he knew if he could do that, he could get her out of purpose. So he appealed to her ego and she she executed the plan perfectly for him. Because he appealed to her, if you do it, you'll be like God. And little did she know, she was already like God. The reason why she didn't realize that she was already like God is because she was in a state of following. She was in the cover of following, and so the ego didn't even matter. She was already like God, and it didn't matter to her because she wasn't trying to attain anything. She was just trying to accomplish the will of the Lord in that moment and in that place. But now that she questioned authority, it was easy for her ego to be appealed to because now I don't have to follow him. And you know what? I can be like God by myself. And he got her to bite bite the fruit, and there we have it. There we have it, all because of her ego. 
The Bible says plainly, deny yourself. Jesus is telling his disciples, deny yourself. Why is he telling his disciples this as well as the crowd? They're already his disciples because he already knew. They had arguments already about who was going to be the greatest among them. Deny yourself. If Jesus was concerned about himself the whole way, there's no way he ends up on the cross. There's no way it happens. I want you to write these two verses of, or chapters down because I want you to go home and read them. It's Jesus addressing the ego problem. It's in Mark, or Matthew 19, 16 through 26. And I'll just make it real short here. The, the man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to be saved, right, or have eternal life? And Jesus tells him, follow all the commandments. And he says, man, I'm already following all the commandments. I did that. What else can I do to be saved? What else can I do? to be saved he said well you know what you could do to be perfect go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and then come and follow me and the man he sunk his head and he walked away low because he loved all his possessions it wasn't about the man being rich it wasn't about his riches and his possessions it was about his ego right there i already did all the commandments I already fulfilled all these commandments. What else can I do? I'm already there. And that's why Jesus, I think, sarcastically said, well, if you want to be perfect, since you followed all the commandments, sell all you got and give it to the poor. So he walks off, and it's interesting because the disciples look at him and says, well, who can be saved then? And he said, it's harder than, you know, than a camel goes through the eye of a needle. Then a rich man make it, make it to heaven. They're like, oh my goodness, who in the world can be saved? And that's where Jesus says, because with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, following the Lord, following in place, being part of the following. So who wants to be my disciple? You have to deny yourself, and here's the final point, and take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. This is a statement of responsibility and, and purpose. Take up your cross and follow me. I think it's important that we understand that disciples or true followers are not dormant. They're not just sitting, okay? They're active. An effective or not effective, but a good student is one who is not just paying attention, but they're involved in what they're learning. A good student does all the work takes all the notes, does the homework, passes the tests, and then they move on. That's a good student. A good student doesn't just sit through class and expect to graduate to the next level because of just sitting through class does nothing for them. They have to do the homework. They have to do the work. They have to pass the tests. That doesn't happen unless you put in the work. God's expectation of us is that we're always increasing, we're always progressing, and we're always producing. 
That's God's expectation of us. That's why from the very beginning, Genesis 1.28, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Why did he say that? Because he, always, he has this expectation on man that we're constantly going to increase, progress, and produce. Be followers are fruitful. Followers are fruitful. So we just come out of a series that Pastor Rick did called Proof, right? And it comes out of the text in Acts chapter 1 where it says that Jesus showed himself alive after his passion or after he was crucified to his disciples. Who? His disciples through many infallible proofs. Why? Why did he do that? That's the question that I asked throughout this whole series, is why did he have to show himself through many infallible proofs? In other words, the, the proof that he was alive could not be questioned because of the way he showed himself to them, right? That was the essence of the whole thing. Why did he do it that way? They had just lived through some of the greatest miracles they could ever see. They saw a boy raised to, to life at a, at a gate. They were on a funeral procession, and this, this boy gets raised to life. They saw Lazarus raised to life after four days being dead. They saw multiple blind people see. They saw the lame walk. They watched demons get up out of a body, jump in a, a, a pack of pigs, and run off a cliff. They saw Peter walk on water. They saw it all. Why did they need many infallible proofs to establish to them that Jesus was alive? Because he said he was going to be alive. I'll tell you why. Why I believe God, or Jesus did that. He did that to get his disciples back to work. He did it to shore them up and get them back to work. Listen, these disciples were already fishing again. And watch, watch how that passage in Acts speaks. It says this. It says that he showed himself by many infallible proofs to his disciples over the course of 40 days. We know because of of the pandemic the 40 is the number of quarantine right and i'm not going to get into any of that but the bottom line is quarantine is a time of of pulling back isolating getting away and not being active that's what it is not being active well i believe we've come to a place not only as a singular church as quest but the body of christ where we've been inactive long enough and god showed himself to us through many infallible proofs we saw God in ways we never would have seen him otherwise through this pandemic, through this wait, through this year, whatever it is. And right now it is, the it is time for God's people to get active. That's why I believe this, this series, the following, is so important because it's time for the people of God to get active in the work of the ministry again. It's not our time to go fishing because that's what we're good at. No, he showed himself to them so that they would get back to work. And that's why in Matthew 28, when we see him addressing the disciples with the Great Commission, we see him say these words, Go and make disciples. You can't even be a follower if you're not following something. You can't make a disciple unless you are a disciple. Go and make. Get active. Engage. Do something. Do what I showed you that you could do. I told you greater work shall you do than what I'm doing. It's time for you to see, see me. You see the holes. You see the holes. You see they pierced my side. Okay, let's get over it. I'm alive. It's time for you to get to work. 
Take up your cross. Take up your responsibility. There is nothing easy about carrying a cross. There is nothing easy about it. There's nothing easy about being a disciple. When you're a disciple, you got to do things like take five loaves of bread and two fish and hope on the word of God that it's going to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children. Why? Because you're learning something that God can make much out of little. He wants you to see it with your own eyes. He wants you to see it happen in your own hands. Why? So that you can go and do it again and show somebody else you can do this. You can make it through this mess you're in. Why? Because I made it through the mess I'm in. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's right there. He was with me through the whole thing. You can make it through it. We need more followers in the body of Christ. We're, I'm sick of the crowd. I'm sick of the simple. If you are coming to church or watching online and all you're doing is listening, that's good because you know what? You're probably going to get happy. You're probably going to get touched. You might even get healed because you're going to benefit from being in the proximity of the presence of the Lord. You might even find some deliverance moments. But you're never really going to walk in the fullness and the fulfillment of the abundant life that Jesus came to give you until you really engage yourself into what he's called you to do. Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Here's the key verse. For the equipping of the saints... For the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building or the increasing of the body of Christ. It is our job to do the work of the ministry. It is not our job to sit and watch the pastor and whoever else he has on his team do the work of the ministry. Those are gifts given to us to build, to edify, to increase the body of Christ. Why? Because we're being equipped to do the work of the ministry. Don't be an admirer anymore. Stop being a spectator. Stop being in the stands looking on and cheering. Get on the field and do something. Be an attendant of purpose in Jesus' name. Leave the multitude and join the following in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Deny yourself. Let go of ego. Stop the comparison. Stop the competition. It's going to make your life miserable. Constant battles of frustration. Highs and lows. You're going to feel like you did it, and then you're going to feel like you're not good enough. You're going to feel like you did it, and then you're going to feel like you're not good enough. That's the ego messing with you. That's the ego messing with you. Walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That means you have to work that spirit out. We'll talk about that next week. That means you got to get in shape. We'll talk about that next week. That means you got to start leaning not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledging Him or looking toward Him. We'll talk about that next week. You can't let the off-season get you out of shape and then you get on the field and realize you're not good enough anymore because you spent the off-season resting and you didn't spend the off-season preparing. We'll talk about it next week. Get on the field. 
leave the multitude and join the following in Jesus' name. Lord, I love you tonight. I love you tonight. I thank you that you put me in the group called the following, God. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I choose to be active. I choose to go to make progress and make, 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 produce, build, edify, increase your body through the assignment on my life. Everybody listening to the sound of my voice, God, I pray for them right now in Jesus' name that you'd let the mantle that rests on each of their shoulders just begin to burn on top of them, God. Let their hearts burn with fire, with zeal, like fire shut up in their bones, God. That they get active in the work, in the purpose that you have assigned them to. God, help them. Help them to look at themselves in the mirror and say, Flesh, you will not have dominion over me today, but you will submit to the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. I will take each step that was ordered by the Lord, and I will see success and progress in my life. God, I speak to your people right now. Give them the strength to deny or to push back those egocentric desires. God, give them the wisdom and the humility to bend the knee and submit to you in your power. Submit to you in a real way. Submit to the authorities that, that you put in their lives. God, submit to the person that's leading them. And God, give them the strength, the courage, and the endurance to walk and run sometimes crawl and fly in this course of ministry in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name amen and amen hallelujah I pray hallelujah I pray that this word blessed you in some way Those